Praise God. Amen. All righty. So tonight, I want to start a series that I've titled The Total Man. My intention is to take us through the total man, spirit, soul, and body. And what am I intending to do with this? I know a lot of us Christians have issues with our flesh many times. You want to please God and you find yourself falling into sin and find yourself doing, you know, things that you you don't want to do and then you repent and you promise God I'll not do this again honestly uh, I won't return there and then you celebrate a few weeks of getting over that thing and then before you say Jack Robinson you're back in it and then you promise God again Lord I'm not going to go there it's a common struggle <laughs> for the believer. However, it can't be overcome. It doesn't mean that that's the way the Christian life is designed. That we have to keep rising and falling and rising and falling. Yeah, at the beginning, at some stage, it's just like the developmental stages of a child. When a child starts walking, such a child will take what they call baby steps. Take a few steps and fall. And then rise and then make attempt again. And sometimes they even make attempt to run out of excitement. Like, yeah, I'm a big boy now so I can run. And then they run and then fall. And then they get up again and then fall. Now, that is not all that there is to Christianity. Because if we remain at that level, we will not grow and we will not enjoy our work with God. There are deeper levels of intimacy that are waiting for us to tap into so that we can enjoy our fellowshipping with God, enjoy our growth. Growth is important. If you're not growing as a child of God, as a Christian, and people may not grow. It's not automatic that, oh yeah, I gave my life to Christ 15 years ago, so I've grown. No, that's a lie. In the things of the spirit, chronology is not the issue. Chronological age is not... It's not an issue at all. You can be 35 years as a Christian. That is the time you give your life to Christ. And someone who gave their life to Christ just barely two, 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 um, two years ago can overtake you. Overtaking is allowed in the things of the Spirit. It depends on individual yieldedness to the Spirit of God. How are you yielding to the Holy Spirit? Because it is as many as are led by the Spirit of God who are the sons of God. And for you to be led, you must be a yielded person. And every day we are yielding to different spirits. Every day we are yielding to different suggestions. People are yielding to spirits and they don't know. Sometimes they think it's just, it's just me. It's just what I want to do. No, it's a suggestion from the realm of the spirit. And one of the things we'll be learning in this, in this series, by the grace of God, I don't know how long we're going to learn, but I mean, we're really going to learn. One of the things we're, we're going to be learning is the materiality and the reality of the realm of the spirit. That that realm is real. 
that realm is tangible. And there are lots of things going on in that realm that are affecting this realm. But then, God has not left us at the whims and caprices of the devil. Neither has he left us at the whims and caprices of our flesh. He wants us to yield to his Holy Spirit so we can obey him, walk with him, love him, get intimate with him, and be all that he wants us to be. In 1 Peter 2.2, my main text is actually 1 Thessalonians 5.23, but I just want to show you something quickly. Peter, in his epistle to the church, he says in, from verse 1, he says, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Verse 2, as newborn babes, now writing this to newborn babes, people who have just given their hearts to Christ, he says, there is something you need to do so that you can grow. So you don't remain at the level of a baby. As newborn babes, he says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Growth is important. Like someone said, if you don't grow, you will groan. Growth is exciting. If you have a child who is 10 years old and is looking like a three-year-old, it doesn't bring excitement to the parents. If your child should be running around and playing football with others, but is still wearing diapers and at the age of five, you are still, you know, you are still having to clean him up because he's messing up himself, because he's still wearing diapers, and intellectually such a child is not even growing, cannot communicate at the level of his mates, it doesn't bring joy to the heart of parents. I understand there are parents with special children, and I'm not making light of, you know, what they're going through, and I'm not making jest of anybody. I'm just using that as an illustration for you to know that for your life to bring pleasure to God as your father, you should grow, you must grow. When we grow in the things of God, when we grow in the, in the realm of the spirit, we are bringing pleasure to God. Growth is important. In Luke 2.52, the Bible talks about Jesus that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all men. That speaks about growth. Growth is exciting. In Colossians 1.10, one of the prayers that Paul the Apostle prayed for the church is that our lives will be pleasing to God. Now, in order for our lives to be pleasing to God, he said we should, that our lives will be fruitful in every good work. Don't be fruitful in bad work. Don't be caught in evil work. He said be fruitful in every good work. Good work. We are raised unto good works. There's a place we are coming from. There was a kingdom we were in, but we're in a new kingdom now. And so we should, we should go on to do good works. And then he said, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing. Increases growth. So God wants us to grow. And that's why I'm bringing this series. So that ultimately our spirit man can gain ascendancy over the soul. And then automatically gain ascendancy over the flesh. Because what you see as a battle in the minds of many Christians every day, in fact, every believer, is that you find that there is a war, like Paul the Apostle described in Romans 7, there's a war between our members. I don't mean members of the church. I mean within yourself, an internal battle. Every day, 
A part of you wants to do what is right, wants to obey the word of God. In fact, wants to read the word of God. A part of you wants to sleep a little more. You struggle and then you read. Whoa, I like this. Okay, I'm going to do it. So a part of you wants to do it. Another part says, no, you can't do it. No, 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 no. They will think you're stupid and you cannot be stupid. You have, to, you, you have to retaliate. A part of you wants to let go and forgive. Another part says, no, you're not going to do that. As a matter of fact, you're not stupid and you should prove a point. Prove a point. Okay? And then it's normal. It's rational. Yes, I need to prove a point. But the spirit of God on the inside of you. I'll share with you on Sunday how I really almost became very vindictive. I, I was going to take some drastic measures. I wanted somebody to feel the pain that he put me through. I, I mean physical pain. I want him to feel, I wanted him to feel that physical pain. And as I was thinking and meditating on what to do, how to go about it, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart and said, now, this battle as it were, do you want to take it off my hands so you can handle it yourself? Or you want to leave it in my hands and let me finish what I've started? Amen. That, was, that came very clear. I was alone, meditating, alone by myself in my house. I knew this was the Holy Spirit talking to me. And at that point, I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I let you handle it. You've been handling it. It's, not, it's never been by might nor power, so I release it to you. There is always the world's way to approach things. But then there is always God's way to approach every matter of our lives. And listen to me. It is not those who speak in tongues. It is as many as are led, led by the Spirit of God who are the sons of God. Are you with me, church? So we have our spirit, we have our soul, we have our body, and everybody wants to gain mastery. The spirit says, look, I'm the one to gain mastery. The soul says, no, after all, I'm the reasoning faculty. I can reason things out. I want to gain mastery. I want to be in charge of this life. And then your body says, no, I should be in charge. Who should be in charge? First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Let's see what the word of God says. I'm trusting God that at the end of this series, or in fact in the course of the series, we would have grown spiritually, walking by the dictates of the Holy Spirit, and our lives pleasing God, and we ourselves enjoying our walk with God. You can get to a point where you enjoy your walk with God. You commune with the Holy Spirit. He communes with you. He gives you instructions. He talks to you. You, you talk to him, and you are enjoying it. It leads you and you can see fruit. Your life is bringing forth fruit and you are enjoying it. You lay hands on the sick, easy, they recover. You get into your prayer place, you want to pray for the five minutes, you have prayed two hours for the five minutes and you are still enjoying it like you shouldn't stop. You get into the place of worship and they are just flowing. You want to fast and you are fasting, of course the body will rebel against it, but you say, hey body, I got you in my pocket. And you really got your body, you got your flesh in your pocket. It's exciting. It is not exciting when it is your flesh that rules your life, that dominates you. It's tough. The flesh is a good servant, but a very terrible master. Are you with me? First Thessalonians 5.23. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole, look at the order, spirit first of all, and soul next to it, and body, the last one, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I read that again. And the very God of Shalom sanctify, meaning set you apart for his holy use. Sanctify you wholly, totally, completely. Alright? And I pray God, your whole, the most important part of you, spirit, that's number one, your whole spirit 
and then your soul and then your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So is it possible to have our spirit, our soul and body preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, it is. If it wasn't possible, it would not have been written in the Bible. So this idea that we are all sinners, you know, nobody is a saint, nobody is perfect, is that is not true. We can grow and enjoy intimacy with God. We can grow to the point that our spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. You see, when people have been dominated by the flesh for too long, they think there is no freedom. They assume that that's the way life is meant to be. That's the way the Christian walk is supposed to be. Everybody is a thief. It's only the one that is caught. Have you had people say something like that before? Say, everybody, everybody is a thief. No, I've never been a thief in my life. Never. And I never will be. It is not all of us that have stolen stuff. Even as kids. It wasn't all of us that stole from our parents. Stop all this nonsense. You know, people say, hey, there's no child. When you were a child, you stole from your parents. It depends on the kind of upbringing that you, you got. Now that we're adults, yeah, there might be areas of struggles. I rise today, I fall tomorrow. I rise today, I fall tomorrow. But there's a solution. Life doesn't have to continue that way. The Christian life will not be enjoyed and will not be lived maximally if it's all about rising and falling. We can come to that point where we enjoy the presence of God. Where we are transformed and transfigured in his presence. Where the things of this world will begin to diminish and lose its value compared to the eternal salvation of our souls. That point where the kingdom of God and the things of the kingdom take preeminence and they come to the front burner of our lives rather than wanting to be with the world. In fact, you go back to the world a little bit and you discover that you, you are not enjoying it at all. That you run back into the realm of the, uh, I mean, to the things of God, into the kingdom of God, into the fellowship of the brethren and say, oh my, this is where I belong. Because the world now that used to be your natural habitat is now no longer a habitat for you. You, you go party with them and you, you can't party. Like the lead pastor shared with us at the retreat. You try to even, okay, let me just, okay, maybe your friends just forced you out. And then everything they were doing just became very repulsive to you because your spirit man has grown. And it is your duty to allow your spirit man grow and to train your spirit man. Part of what we'll be talking about is training, how to train your spirit in this series, not tonight, but in this series. And then I'll also talk about how to train your body. The body responds to training, you know. Those of you that go to the gym, you know, when you pump iron and pump iron, your body responds. Those of you that like to wake up at a particular time, maybe 5 a.m. you want to pray, you start with the alarm. Alarm wakes you up. The next day, alarm again. The third day, alarm. And then you feel, oh, no. I want to sleep. I want to sleep a little more. But you discipline yourself and then you get up. And then fourth day, fifth day. By the time you do that for 10, 15 days, a point will come you don't need the alarm anymore. You just naturally wake up at 5 a.m. Because now your body has adjusted. Your, there's something called circadian rhythm. The, the body clock has adjusted. So the moment it's 5 a.m., you are just awake. 
without an alarm. You know what has happened? You have trained your body to be like that over time. And if you stay like that, you can be like that for as long as you want your body to be in that shape. Are you with me, church? All right. So, Paul the Apostle, by the help of the Holy Spirit, said here, I, I pray that the very God of peace sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body, now that you are preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you need to understand, if you are writing right, that man is a tripartite being. That's a very important point. Man is a tripartite part, P-A-R-T-I-T-E. That is from the word part, three parts. Man is made up of three parts, tripartite being. Is essentially a spirit, he has a soul, and lives in a body. I'd like you to say with me, I'm a spirit. Say it out loud. I have a soul, and I live in a body. So in this Bible study series, we're going to be looking at each department of our being in depth by the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, with your spirit, you are actually a spirit. If, some, if you pull a trigger... Like people say they want to commit suicide. They want to end it all. It's a pity we don't have the chance to ask them how it was after they pulled the trigger. But I can explain a little bit to you. If somebody puts a gun in their head and they pull the trigger because they are tired of this life, they want to go and rest, and they pull it, boom, they'll be shocked that they're still alive. Yeah, the body will fall to the floor, blood all over the place, the body will die or may die. If they get medical help on time, they may live. Or by some supernatural help, like a pastor in um, Vegas in the United States was shot. He was a street preacher. He was shot in the head. But God saved him. He's back now preaching. Just recently that happened. So there could be a miracle. All right? But worst case scenario, the person dies. Now it is the body that dies. The person will say, well, I thought I ended it. I thought I killed myself. But I'm still alive. You are still alive because you're a spirit. Now the spirit will now have to go where spirits go. Because if you are a spirit without a body, you're not permitted to live in this realm. This is a material realm, three-dimensional material realm. That's why demons are illegal. In our midst. That's why demons always look for people or places to hide. Especially people. They like to stay in people. Jesus described in, I think, Matthew 12, 45, that when you cast out an unclean spirit from a man, it will walk through dry places looking for where to rest. And he finding none, he will come back and then he will say, I want to go back to my house. My house. Now, the house is the person. They always try to look for people to live in. Like you know the, uh, the story, Mark chapter 5, of the madman of Gadara. Alright, he was a man. He had a family. He had friends. After Jesus healed him, he said, go back to your friends. And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. He used to be a normal guy. All of a sudden, I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he smoked ganja or, or some, <laughs> somebody attacked him. He just became mad anyways. And demons came inside him and they started living on the inside of him. You know why? Because they're not permitted to stay here. That's why we have authority in the name of Jesus to cast them out. Because they don't have the permission to be here. Amen? 
They are actually persons without bodies. So, looking at the man, spirit, you are a spirit, you possess a soul. You have your soul. Your soul comprises your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those are the three compartments that made up the soul. We will also talk about the soul, which is very important. Because you see, people will not prosper beyond the prosperity of their soul. If your soul is not prospering, no matter who you are, no matter the, the, the profession you belong to, whether it's tech or engineering or law or whatever, if your soul does not prosper, you will not prosper beyond the prosperity of your soul. In 3 John and verse 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. As your soul prospers. So it is as your soul prospers. So if a man is prospering so well in his soul, even though he doesn't have the physical cash to show for it, he doesn't have the material things to show for it, give that man a matter of time. Give that lady a matter of time. If they are prosperous in their soul, the prosperity of the soul will so manifest in physical material things. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. So, if you are not in health in your soul, you are not going to be in health in your body. Even as your soul prospers. So, prosperity really depends largely on the prosperity of your soul. And like I said, we have the mind, we have the will, and we have the emotions. If you are prospering in these three compartments, it's only a matter of time and faith, you are going to prosper in the outside, in the, in the outside world. And the last part of us, the man, of the total man, is the body. The body is the physical you. Unfortunately, many people think that they are their body. So they spend a great deal of time on their body. They spend most of their hours on their body. A lot of the things we do, a lot of our resources goes to our body. It's just the body, the body, the body. I want to look great. I want to look this. It's okay to look great. It's, it's, not, it's not bad. It's good business. Looking good is good business. But it's bad business when the time you are spending, you are investing on your body is much more than the one you are, in, you are, you are investing in your spirit man and in your soul. Because this, your spirit is the real you. If there is a decay in your spirit, it's only a matter of time and faith. Well, a matter of time. You don't need faith for that. It's only a matter of time. It will show. The decay will show in everything you do in the physical. If there's a decay in your soul, it will show over time in the physical. But unfortunately, we spend a great deal of time and resources and money and everything on the body, 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 body. Somebody's going to church, and then you spend about two hours in your makeup, and you're like, this and that, and how you're going to look, how you're going to do this, how you're going to do that, but you haven't prayed 30 minutes. Oh, yeah, but I'm going to church. We're going to pray in church. If you can make so much time for your body, you should make so much time and much more for your spirit as well. It's not wrong if you pray an hour before you come to church. In fact, it helps your spirit man to be very sharp. So what the pastor is saying, you're getting it, pump. You are at the speed of thoughts. You are getting it. It's clear. You are not dull of hearing. The Holy Ghost helps your spirit man. You are built up already. You are charged up. You are charged up. So you don't find the message boring. Amen? And you are so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He says something to you. Boom. You write it down. 
You get it clear. It's good. Pray before you come to pray. Those who lead us in prayer, make sure you pray before you come to lead in prayer. That's the way I was trained. You are going to lead prayer with the senior pastor, lead pastor, one hour during the fast. You would have prayed all day. You go through the manual, you read all the scriptures. You, I mean, you do due diligence. Well, maybe not everybody does, but I do. That's the way he trained us, and that's what I do. And that's why you, you, you see the difference between those who prepare and those who don't. Big time. Invest time. When you want to lead worship, and you are, you are prayed up like an hour in the Holy Ghost, and you grab the mic, it will be different from someone who just comes late to church, then rushes to the mic, grabs the mic, praise the Lord. <sighs> Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, ah, praise the Lord. Let, let's, let's thank God. Where are you coming from? It will show. It will show. The same with preaching. The same with preaching. If you invest an hour before coming to preach or to teach in the place of prayer, praying in the Holy Ghost, you know what you're doing? Jude told us in verse 20, only one chapter. He said, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy. Look at it. Your, 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 your holy faith is here. Your most holy faith. That's where you are building up yourself. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Amplified Classic says, rise higher and higher like an edifice. If, the, if you've been praying two hours in your closet, in the Holy Ghost every day, they now give you an assignment to come and pray for 15 minutes in church. You know, that's just going to be like knife through butter. You would have done the 15 minutes and everywhere is on fire. Everybody's on fire because you're on fire and it's flowing, right? You won't want to stop that prayer in 15 minutes. But for time, you have to constrain yourself and say, oh, my. But if you, have, if you, you don't have a personal prayer life and they put you up to lead the church in prayer for just 15 minutes, 15 minutes can look like 15 hours. You will be exhausted in three minutes. I promise you that. You will shout all you can. Hoping that you would have prayed for like, at least I've prayed for like 12 minutes. All for you to check the time and it's just 2 minutes 35 seconds. And prayer becomes boring. It looks like a punishment. Because that spirit man has not been taken care of. Are you with me church? Listen, with your spirit, you contact the spiritual realm. There is what is called the spiritual realm or the realm of the spirit or the unseen realm. Let's look quickly at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. Things, things. It's talking about things or beings. But the things which are not seen are eternal. From this verse alone, Paul the Apostle makes it clear to us that there are two realms. There is the seen realm where I can see you, you can see me. This is the physical realm where we need our body to make contact. You use, it is with your spirit man, you contact the unseen realm. If you want to do exploits in the unseen realm, you want to make prayers in the unseen realm, you want to worship in the unseen realm, you want to have dominion in the unseen realm, it is going to happen from your spirit. So with your spirit, you contact that realm. You connect with that realm. With your spirit, not with your shout, with your spirit. With your spirit. Now, with your soul, 
which comprises your mind, your will, and your emotions, you contact the mental realm or what is called the intellectual realm. That's why when you go to university, all of the things they are teaching you, they are just bombarding your head with knowledge, the mental realm. It's just information for your head. All right? They say, okay, there are five categories of fishes. Uh, one is called Pisces, whatever. Another is called Pisces, homolobia. Another one is Pisces, esculenta. Another one is Pisces. All those information, they are just for your, your head. Your brain plus your mind. The training your mind. The university cannot train your spirit. They can't get there. There's nothing to tell you that gets there. What they are doing is training your head. Your head is becoming bigger. All right? That's why when you are full of knowledge, see people become proud because they know so much. They know everything about engineering. If they close their eyes, they can dissect a bridge. If you want to construct a bridge, these are the things. These are the levels. They can talk to us who don't know anything about engineering and we're just going to be looking like this. And we're all mesmerized. And the man that is talking is full of information in the head, mental realm. So it is with your soul you contact the mental realm. You can know law so much. You can quote the law. You can tell us about the Constitution of Nigeria as am- of 1999 as amended by Justice Ways. And you can, t- you can cite examples of cases that happened in London between so-so and Mr. So-so and Mr. So-so and blah, 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 blah. Mental realm. And you can be smart mentally. And the Holy Ghost can also help you in that realm too. But with that, with the soul... What you, you don't contact the spirit realm, actually. You contact the mental realm. There's a realm for your intellect. And then with the body, this flesh and blood and bones, you contact the physical realm. If I want to lift this thing now, I won't ask my spirit to lift it or my soul to lift it. That would be a waste of time. I need my body to lift this. And I need my body to be in sound health so I can lift it. So I can go to work. So I can make money and take care of my family. I need my body to be okay to come to church, to be able to preach, even though my spirit is rich and has revelation from the Holy Spirit, things to share with the church. But if the body is sick and is at home, it won't come here to teach or to preach. Are you with me, church? So you need to take care of the three parts. If the soul is sick, there's a, that's a big sickness. Depression is in the soulical realm. When people are in depression, they're in a dark place. Nothing excites them. Nothing gives them, makes them happy. I mean, people are excited around them and they're looking, why is everybody excited? Why are you laughing? What's funny about this life? You give them a donut, they can't see the dough, they see the hole. It's, it's a reflection of what is going on in their soul. In their soul. Now, even though I also believe that that is also, it has a spiritual connection, because the Bible speaks about the spirit of heaviness in Isaiah 61, where uh, 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 Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and Jesus quoted that much later. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel or the good tidings to the poor, and, to, and uh, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Yeah? Move on, please. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all them that mourn. Yes? To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. Zion is the church. But it's amazing that there are people who mourn in Zion. But then, not to leave them in their state. But to appoint to them, to give unto them beauty 
for their ashes. They have ashes. That's why they are mourning. But it says, look, the good news, the gospel, will bring you beauty for your ashes. So it doesn't matter if you have ashes right now. God is going to turn that around. If you follow his leading, follow his word, dedicate your life to him, he will give you beauty. He will yet give you beauty for your ashes. Can I have an amen to that? And he says, the, the garment, now the oil of joy for mourning, you know, they were mourning before, but it's, they were mourning because they had ashes. Now, he's giving them beauty for their ashes, and then he's giving them oil of joy in addition to, to, to the beauty, oil of joy for their mourning. And then, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That spirit is depression. But it operates in the soulical realm. When the soul is down, it's in the Bible, it's in the Psalms. In fact, David was there many times. You'll find him talking to his soul. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for it's the hope of your salvation, or it's the health of your countenance. In fact, let me look at the psalm very quickly. It's in 40-something. Psalm, what are 42, 43? In fact, in two places, but I'll just take one of them. Yeah, 42 and verse 5. It says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? He was talking to his soul. What did he mean by his soul was cast down? He was depressed. Now, but he couldn't explain. He said, why? You know, there are times you wake up in the morning and you don't know why you're just blue. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? I mean, you, when I say blue, I mean, you're, you're just not happy. You're not, you're not up and pumping. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Good. David said, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted in me? Up thou in God. Depression is a sign of hopelessness. If it is not taken care of, it is what leads to suicide. When people don't see hope anymore, there's no ray of hope. The devil sells them a lie that they're never going to come out of what they're going through. There will never be a solution. No help is coming. Nobody loves you and things are not going to get better. End it now and go in peace. And they slide down without getting help. They slide down until they kill themselves. Now, listen, after killing themselves, they only discover that it's only the body they've killed. The soul and the spirit are still very active. So they begin to argue between themselves. Ah, but why am I still alive? But ah, I thought I ended it. Oh, no, baby. Now go face it. Whatever they have to face. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. God is still going to help me now. In verse 6, say, oh my God, reporting himself, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. God, <laughs> I'm reporting myself now. I'm reporting my soul. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. This is why it is good to be able to recall. 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 In your language, they call it Arupada. You must be able to recall. Recall the good times. The times when God was there for you, when your back was against the wall and there was no help from anywhere, but God showed up. Recall that time. Remember that time. And use that time to fight this battle. We have examples in the Bible, plenty of them. When David faced Goliath, before he faced him, he said to Saul, when Saul called him as the king and said, you can't face that guy. He said, sir, there was a time I was keeping my father's sheep 
and a bear came and a lion came and they picked an animal. I fought the bear. I rescued the animal. When it was the time of the lion, I rescued the animal from his mouth. When he turned against me, I caught him by the beard and I smote him with my bare hands. I had no sword. I had no gun. Nothing. No weapon. But I killed that lion. I killed the lion. Sir, the God who delivered me from the paws of the bear and the paws of the lion, that same God will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine because he's, he's like one of them. He's uncircumcised. He doesn't have a covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to deal with him like I dealt with the animals by the help of God. The God who delivered me. Where is that God now? Now you're in trouble, but you can't recall. The inability to recall is why people actually fall into the depth of depression and run mad or die. Depression comes. In fact, I'm going to do a series on that. And I'm going to interview some people. I really want to help people. I, my, my heart goes out to the youth. Because many of you are going through stuff that even your parents don't know. They are not aware. And even if they are aware, they, they are not fully aware. They don't really know what you are grappling with. And the devil thrives in secrecy. He will convince you privately. that look, it's going to be like that. It's never going to, don't listen to that, Pastor Fred. Things are not going to change. Things are going to change, baby. Do you know the news we hear in Nigeria every day is depressing. If you're earning in Forex, woo, good news. <laughs> Dollar is now 1500 But it's bad news for your friends and law family members who are not earning in Forex. And even for you, if you think about it, because inflation keeps rising. So your purchasing power is not the same anymore. It, do, it doesn't help anybody. I'm not happy. So I, I really don't like to, to look at Nigerian news. I don't like to. And I don't go there. If I want to go there, having read the word of God, having prayed ahead, then I can look at it. But if you make that the first thing in the morning, you're going to be depressed. How are you going to be able to do this? How are you going to be able to do that? How, how, how will you be able to buy this? How will you be able to purchase that? Even those of you that are buying and selling, you're not making profit so much anymore because of the exchange rates. The profit is gone. A woman was in my office yesterday, a pastor's wife. She was lamenting. Say, Pastor, can you imagine somebody orders a good and it's maybe 50000 By the time you get to the factory to get it, it's more than 50000 So you have to add money and you build them already. How do you go back to them asking them to add money to it? They will say you're a scammer. We must be able to recall. Was there ever a good time? David set us an example. Paul set us an example. In 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 10. When he said, we will not have you ignorant brethren of our trouble that came to us in Asia. He said there was a time. We were really going to die. We were pressed beyond measure. We were pressed almost out of life. In fact, we didn't know we were going to survive. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. So that we won't trust in ourselves, but in the living God who raises the dead. Now in verse 10, he now said something. He said, he who delivered us in the past from so great a death. He delivered us. Now, he does deliver. Praise God. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. <laughs> That's the antidote to depression. If God has ever blessed me before, uh -uh, he will bless me again. Some of you need to go into your wardrobe and look at your clothes. It was God that bought this for me. It was God that gave me this pair of shoes. It was God that sent a sister to bless me with this handbag. It was God. It was God. Now, I don't have good things anymore. It doesn't look like I don't have, I don't, I have good things anymore. These ones are even growing old now. But the God that sent me all of this, 
can send me another consignment. Can I have an amen? amen. The God who blessed my business before? Is he dead? No, he's not. Is he planning to retire? No. That's called recalling. You must be able to recall. All of that is within the solical realm, the soul. So that's why I said to you, if there's a sickness in the soul, it's a big sickness. And people are captivated. They are, people are captured in their soul. That's why the psalmist said one of the psalms, he said, our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. You don't know what it means for your soul to escape. It's a great deliverance. In Lamentations, Jeremiah, the writer of Lamentations, Lamentations 3.21, he said, this I recall to mind, then I have hope. <laughs> Hopelessness is depression. Depression is hopelessness. He said, this I recall to mind. If you want to know what to recall to mind, read the entire chapter. He spoke about the different seasons of his life. He remembered the time that God delivered and helped him. He said, this I recall. I recall to mind. Omo, hope did you. You got to get to that point when you beat your chest. Omo, it's not over. It's not over. I'm going to make it. It's not over. This project will see through. God will see us through. Why? He's done it before. If he's not done it for you before, look at someone he's done it for before. If he ever did it for someone else, he's going to do it for you because God doesn't have favorites. He loves us all. Can I have an amen to that? So with your spirit, you contact the spiritual realm. With your soul, you contact the mental realm. With your body, you contact the physical realm. Revelation comes from the Holy Spirit to our spirit. Which in turn, passes instructions to our soul. That's from the spirit to the soul. And then from the soul to the body. That is God's correct order. That is God's order. When God has anything to tell you, he won't relate that to your brain. He'll relate that to your spirit. It's a spirit-spirit communication. God is a spirit. John 4, 24. I think that's where it is. John 4, 24. Can I have that quickly on the screen? It's a spirit-spirit communication. God is a spirit. Good. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, you are a spirit. God is a spirit. So it's a spirit-spirit communication. All right? Whether you say God is Spirit, because somebody was arguing some time ago that it's not God is a spirit, God is spirit. Well, when I say God is spirit, <laughs> or God is a spirit, we shall know God is not flesh and blood. Abi? Am I making sense? All right. So, God is spirit, or God is a spirit. You are a spirit. So, when God is relating to you, he's relating to your spirit man. That's why you need your spirit man to be alive and well and alert. You cannot afford to be engaging yourself in activities that would dull. The reception of your spirit. When we indulge in the flesh, it dulls your ability to perceive things. You see in the act of the apostles, where the apostles said, we perceive. I perceived. It seemed good to us and to the Holy Ghost. Your perception must be sharp. And one of the things that will help your perception to be sharp is when you pray a lot in the spirit. Before you put your money in that business, he can tell you, don't put, if you try it, your money is gone. Eh, mm. Then the person starts calling you, oh yeah now, oh yeah now, it's time to invest. Oh. He said, oh, I just don't, no now, no, do yourself, oh, look up. This is 100% gain, 100% profit. Oh, I'm not doing, Jerry. Three days later, 
The person is on the internet crying. <laughs> money is gone. No, your money would have gone. But you got a sharp perception. Some Christians say, something told me. Stop insulting God. The Holy Spirit told you. Walk with him so much that you know when he's the one leading you. Amen? He doesn't have to speak in an audible voice every time. He can lead you by the inward witness. Romans 8, 16. Likewise, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You can meet somebody one day, looks like the best man in the world. This is the man for me. This man is all made. He's got a good business. He's doing fine. He's a Christian. He speaks in tongues. He knows the scriptures. He quotes more than even my pastor. And it, it looks good. It's my speck. It might be your speck, but not your husband. There's a, there's a difference. Are you getting what I'm saying? May you not marry your speck. May you marry your husband. Okay, you don't understand that. <laughs> your speck is physical. What speck? Height, width, everything. The looks. God never looks at those things. God is looking at the heart. And I'm going to show you that scripture in the next seven minutes that we have. So I need to run now. The correct order is that in, revelation will come to your spirit. Your spirit man will process it in a digestible form, pass it to your soul, where the soul will understand it. And then the soul passes it to the body, and the body carries it out. That is God's order. If you have the body now trying to dictate to the soul what to do, there's a chaos. If the soul is telling the spirit, this is what I want, this is what I want, that's going to be serious chaos. Some people are mentally sharp, and that's all that there is to them. Spiritually, they are dull. So they don't consult the Holy Spirit for anything. They consult their mind. If I just think it up, if I just plan it, and they can go, they can become successful to a large extent. But when they make a shipwreck, it will be huge. And that's why some have a mental breakdown and it's irreparable. You can be sharp mentally, it's fine. But hey, consult the Holy Ghost. Amen? Not as many as are led by their mind. It's as many as are led by the Spirit. By the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Are you with me, church? So we are not designed to function from the outside. We are designed to function from the inside. In Luke 17, 20 to 21, the Pharisees came to Jesus. And I hope you are writing. Those of you that are looking at me, make sure you write. This is Bible study. Next time you're coming, bring your writing material, your pen and paper. And write. The lead pastor taught us yesterday, when you write, there's a part of your brain that is activated because the brain needs to make connections every day, to make connections. Scientists are discovering now that we are writing less and less and less and because we're writing less and less and less, it's affecting us. Like today I was writing and I didn't like my handwriting. I said, you see now, because we've been typing, typing, typing. Uh, you know when you're writing, I don't know if you've been there, you're writing and you say, no, this is not my handwriting. Ah, what's this? Angela, you know what I'm talking about. Oshijari. So, Jesus said to them, he said, look, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. Neither will they say to you, low here nor low there. He said, for the kingdom is within you. It's in your spirit. We, and we are supposed to live from within. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's not in your mind. It's not in your brain. It's not in your, <laughs> your chest. It's not in your, your legs. It's in your spirit. So we are supposed to live from the inside out. Consult your headquarters. The next time they bring a business proposal, a, a job contract or something that looks very good, consult the headquarters on the inside. Holy Spirit, am I to do this? They want 
Holy Spirit, I trust that you are leading me. And as I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, I receive interpretation for what I'm praying. Day two and day three, he just might speak. He might speak at day two, he might speak at day four. We are not supposed to live from the outside. We are supposed to live from the inside. In Matthew 15, 1 to 20, I thought we'll read it, but we don't have time to read it, but write it down. Jesus made a very important point there. He said to the, to the disciples, he actually said to the Pharisees first, and they were angry, and they walked away, and the disciples came later to ask him. And he said to them, look, a man is not defiled by what goes into him. A man is defiled by what comes out of him, out of him. The, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees came to Jesus and they were accusing his disciples of eating with what the KJV calls unwashing on, on hands. Unwashing, <laughs> unwashed hands. You know, hands that were uh, dirty. Like you, you're eating banana or you're eating uh, uh, maize and then you didn't wash your hands and stuff like that. And thereby they are, they, are, they are destroying the tradition of their fathers. And Jesus said, why are you also destroying the tradition, the word of God with your, with your tradition? God says so, so, and so, you are doing the opposite. A child should give honor to the parents. You say, if, if the child can give gifts to the parents, it doesn't matter. So why are you doing that? Jesus now said to them, look, what defiles a man, what makes a man dirty, is not that he's eating amala with hands that are not washed. Yeah, that's unhygienic, right? But it doesn't defile the man. In the sight of God, you're just being, <laughs> I don't want to use a negative word. You're just, you're just who you are. Anyway, what defiles a man are the things proceeding from your spirit. The word heart there is also spirit. Jesus said, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. All manner of evil thoughts. He said from the heart comes adultery. In fact, he said adulteries, fornications, envy, uh, evil speaking, and all of blasphemies, all of these things. He said the, even theft, because before you steal something, you think about it first. It's in your heart as a thought. So I'm going to steal that lady's iPhone, and I will steal it, and she will cry. I will steal it and sell it. You make up your mind, then you carry it out. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus said that is what defiles a man. He said, what you put in goes in through your mouth, passes out through your inus. It doesn't defile you. But what is coming out of you? Mine. Before we commit fornication or adultery, it is well planned. Especially for a Christian. You have to plan it well. It takes time. It doesn't just happen. If you were an unbeliever, you would do it normal. Valentine's Day is coming now. Normal. I mean, there are people who don't, they don't miss it. But for a Christian, maybe you're already dating a, a brother or a sister. And they're already giving you signs that we're going to hang out to Valentine's Day. I say, okay, hang out. All right. But we have a program in church. Yeah, we'll attend. And then after the program, we'll go hang out. Right? And then the brother is already thinking, it's men that usually plan. God will have mercy on us. We are the ones that make the move. He's thinking, okay, so we our hanging out might mean that you go home late or you might not go home. Ah, no, I'll go home. What do you mean I might not go home? Ah. No, now as in, I don't mean any harm. It's like, you know, we just, I just want us to enjoy ourselves and we talk and, is a lie. We'll talk and talk and talk and we might talk into the middle of the night and you're not able to go back home. Ah, no, ah, we, ah, we, we can't talk for too long. Oh. And it's a lie. Oh. When you get there, really, you're not, you have nothing to talk about. The two of you are just breathing at each other. And God helping you, there's a Celine Dion song in the background. 
The guy is preparing the atmosphere. He has planned to take you to his house. Before leaving the house, he has changed his bedspread. He has cleaned up everywhere. There is perfume everywhere. There is air freshener. Everything is looking romantic. So if the sister, if a sister steps into the room, she would even feel captivated. Oh, wow. Nice apartment. Yeah, thank you. It's usually planned and it takes time. But may you not fall into temptation. In Jesus' name. Say better amen. So we're not supposed to live from the outside in. We're supposed to live from the inside out. In us is righteousness. Fornication is not the same as righteousness. In us is the joy of the Holy Spirit. In us is peace. The peace that passes all understanding. The kind of peace that makes no sense, like that song says. Peace in the middle of a chaos. You know, you know what that means? The kingdom is in you. So no matter what the kingdom of Nigeria says tomorrow, I don't live based on that. I live based on the revelation I have in my spirit, the kingdom of God. Amen? A major conflict arises as I close. When the soul is trying to gain ascendancy over the spirit, or the body is trying to gain ascendancy over the soul or the spirit, because that is contrary to God's order. You'll, I like, I'll use this very simple example. I can't finish this today. I thought I'll finish my class one today, but I'll just wrap it up now. The day you want, usually maybe some of you don't eat breakfast. That's my popular example. You don't eat breakfast until like 12 noon, 1 p.m. or 2. Sometimes you're busy. But the day you make up your mind to fast, what is wrong with that day? That is like any other day, every other day. It's just normal. But at 7 a.m., you start feeling hunger pangs. Like you have, to eat, you have to eat breakfast this morning. It's important. Your, that's your body telling you. Because the body has a voice. Okay, so I tell you this. Your spirit man has a voice. The voice of your spirit man is called conscience. Somebody say conscience. Your soul has a voice. So for those of you that are writing, the voice of the soul is called reason. Somebody say reason. That's the level of reasoning or what they call logic. Is it logical? Is it reasonable? Uh -huh. that's, that's the soul. You know, you're trying to rationalize things. And then your body also has a voice. It is called feeling. Somebody say feeling. Unfortunately, that is how some people define love. Say love is the feeling you feel. When you feel a feeling that you have never felt before. So there is this handsome guy, you're just having this feeling for, this beautiful babe, you're just having this feeling for, and babe, I don't have this kind of feeling for any other person. It's only you I feel this feeling for. I've been feeling it before, if I felt it before I was feeling it. Now, I'm Everything is based on feeling. My friend, that's catastrophe. That's just nothing but your flesh. And the flesh wants nothing but sex. And sex is not love. Otherwise, the greatest lovers in the world would have been prostitutes. Do it every day. Some of them three times daily. Some five times daily. Depending on how customers come. Even pray for customers to come. They're throwing it all over the place. But do they love those men? No, they don't. So, equating love with sex is, doesn't make any sense. Anybody tells you, you need to prove to me that you love me. 
and the only way you can prove to me is for me to have sex with you, tell them to walk. True love will wait. <laughs> if you really love me, you will, ah. Jacob waited 14 years to marry Rachel. The first seven years he labored. Laban gave him Leah. But for you to know that the man really loved Rachel. If it were me, I would have given up. Seven years. I should not do another seven years. How old would I be at that time? There have no more energy. Well, they can't believe it. If the desirable is not available, it's available because it's desirable. But Jacob said, no, I will wait. I will work. He labored another seven years, making 14, to finally have Rachel. That's why the death of Rachel pained me a lot. When you read through the book of Genesis, a little way from Ephrath, and Rachel died. A little way from breakthrough, on the verge of a major breakthrough in your life, you will not die. In the name of Jesus. So when we have our body trying to dictate to the spirit, that I want to eat up, I can't fast today, I cannot fast. How many of you know that the body is really loud? Ah, the body is loud though. The feeling can be so strong. Especially if you are addicted to something. What is addiction? You are connected to that thing and the feeling is just so strong. It is called, sometimes, what they call lust. Lust means strong desire. People that are addicted to smoking, for example, maybe they, they quit smoking for like two weeks. You say, ah, well, I'm clean. Then you go to a bar or you walk past a bar and some people are smoking and your own brand is St. Maurice. Oh, God. And then you catch the whiff. Ah. And then you stylishly just stay around that area. Catch. Uh, yeah. Partial smoking. Which is probably even more dangerous than active smoking. The flesh is strong. Don't mess up with the flesh. Better put it where it belongs so that it doesn't mess you up. And that's why we hear sometimes, ah, that man of God, as a man of God, who, he just fell like that. Ah, it was the flesh that gained ascendancy over his spirit. In his spirit, he didn't want to do that thing unless he has departed from the Lord. I'm talking about well-meaning people, good intentions. They don't mean any bad, but something just happens. And, and the man can't walk away. The flesh is telling him, stay, 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 enjoy. She also likes you. Hey, are you sure? You like me? It's okay. Okay. And then the flesh gains ascendancy over the spirit. It is catastrophic. Because by the time the news breaks out there, it won't just break you. The libido that you had that was very high, it will come down. By the time you see yourself all over social media, ah, ah. Then the people looking up to you, many are devastated. What has happened? The flesh was allowed to gain ascendancy over the spirit. Maybe also over the soul. Even if the soul is trying to gain ascendancy over the spirit, it is wrong. Get this tonight as I wrap up. Church, God's order is that your spirit man, somebody say, my spirit man, will gain ascendancy over my soul and then over my body. In other words, your spirit man should be strongest in your makeup. It should be stronger than your soul and then minister strength to your soul and then that will minister instructions to your body. And you can have your body where you want your body. God will help us in the course of this discourse. We'll talk about how to train our body. You can train your body. 
I, I, I cited an example earlier. All right, so I stop here tonight. Um, Romans 8, 14, the Bible tells us, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God leads us by his Spirit in our spirit, not in our mind or body. Like I said earlier, it's a spirit-spirit communication. Let me just give you three scriptures, and then we, we call it quits for tonight. Revelation 1.10. Quickly on the, on, the, on the screen. It's already 7 o'clock. Revelation 1.10. Revelation 1.10. Quickly. I was in the spirit on the last day, and I, and I heard. If you're not in the spirit, you won't hear. I was in the spirit. John the Beloved on the Isle of Patmos was the one that wrote this. I was in the spirit on the last day and heard. There are many things God wants to say to you that we are not hearing because we are not in the spirit. Be in the spirit and you hear God clearly. Amen? Romans 8, 16. Likewise, the spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. The spirit himself KJV says itself, but no, is the person. The spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen? The spirit of God communicates with our born-again human spirit. Unbelievers cannot be led by the Holy Spirit. They can't because their human spirit is not regenerated. Their human spirit is not ready to get instructions from the Holy Spirit. That's why most of the things they do is that Barry the soul. Some of them can be mentally sharp and they talk and you think, ah, this must be God. No. Careful. Check it out. Next week, we'll look at the third scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 14. Can we quickly read it? I'll take it up from here next week. And I want to give you two points on the things of God and the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 2, 9 to 14. It said, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Verse 10. But God has revealed, revealed, revealed. God gives revelation. God has revealed, not that he has informed us. He has revealed them unto us. Those things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have they entered into the heart of any man. God has revealed them to us by his spirit. So it's a spirit, spirit communication. For the spirit such a all things, yea, the deep things of God. Next verse. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of that man that is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So the spirit of God takes the things of God and reveals them to the spirit of man. A man that is available. A woman that is available. Verse 13. Okay, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know, so that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. For us to know, it has to come from the Holy Spirit to our born again human spirit. It's a spirit-spirit communication. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. The Holy Ghost is the teacher, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14. And we stop there. But the natural man receives not, receives not the things of the Spirit of God. You know why? For their foolishness unto him. The unbeliever cannot receive direction from the Holy Spirit because they are foolishness to him. How do you mean? I should empty my account and put it in church account. No! How do you mean I should take a day and fast? What for? Fasting for what? 
You want me to have also? <laughs> Look, they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them. So you want me to pray in the Holy Ghost two hours every day or one hour every day when I don't know what I'm praying for? I want to pray for something I know. I need a car. God, car, God, car, God, car. If I do that every day, one month, God will give me the car. <laughs> See the way he's thinking. I will not be saying, oh, maybe I'm praying for somebody in Ghana. Who does that help? When I have my own situation. Can you see the way a natural man is thinking? Giving all your money to pastors. To them, when you pay tithe in church and you give offering, the money is going to pastor. I can never give my money to any church again. In my life, I will never give my money to any pastor. Ah, never. The natural man. God says, bring it. I want to bless you. No. A, a bird in hand is what two in the bush. And so they stay in the bush forever. <laughs> Neither can he know them. Neither can he gymnasco them. Because they are spiritually discerned. May your discernment come alive this season. Stand on your feet, everybody. Were you blessed tonight? You want to come again next Thursday? Please make sure you invite somebody. Encourage your fellow ministry members. All of your workers and leaders. If your leader is not here, I encourage your leader. I wonder what kind of leader that is, except for those that I know are not in town. Amen. Praise God.